0: We turn to Job chapter 16, Job chapter 16. Uh, We saw um, Eliphaz's speech last week, his second speech, uh, round two. Like we said, if uh, if he did hold back during his first speech, he certainly did not hold back um, during his second speech. And he was quite scathing of Job. We did see how Satan used Eliphaz to push Job's buttons. If you remember, we said, you know, we kind of attacked his testimony, attacked his wisdom, attacked his, you know, his general character. And uh, uh, it's incredible how Satan knows exactly what buttons to push with us um, to kind of get a rise out of us then. Uh, and that's what we saw uh, Eliphaz um, doing last week. So when we come to chapter 16, Job is simply answering um, the speech of Eliphaz, and I think so far Job has has been quite commendable in the way in which he's responded um, to his so-called friends, because I'll be honest with you, if somebody spoke to me like that, I think I would say, well look, I don't really want you in my presence at the moment, so I'll try and cope with this on my own, thank you very much. Um, But I think Job has has been um, quite commendable, but Satan never gives up, you know, um, Peter tells us that Satan, as a roaring lion, walketh about the earth, seeking whom he may devour. And the interesting thing is, is that a lion doesn't roar very often. Um, a lion roars to mark its territory. A lion roars just as he's about to attack. Um, other than that, you know, they don't roar very often, and you know, so what Peter is telling us is that when the devil roars, he's about to attack, Um, and and we see that, you know, that uh, Satan is looking to see whom he may devour, and what Satan is doing, um, quite cleverly, he couldn't get Job to curse God through his um, material loss, he couldn't get Job to curse God um, due to his physical ailments, Um, he couldn't even get Job to curse God um, you know, as a result of his uh, of his wife's uh, rebuke, um, and I, I don't want to say that he came close because of his friends, but his friends certainly didn't help. Um, they didn't comfort him in any way whatsoever. They actually made things worse. And we see um, Satan using Eliphaz to literally devour Job. Um, and in in verse. Uh, one of, of chapter 16, it says, Then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. Shall vain words have an end? Or what emboldeneth thee that thou answerest? I also could speak as ye do. If, ye, if your soul were in my soul's stead, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. But I would strengthen you with my mouth, and the moving of my lips shall assuage your grief. Though I speak, my grief is not assuaged, and though I forbear, what am I eased? But now he hath made me weedy, thou hast made desolate all my company, and thou hast filled me with wrinkles, which uh, is a witness against me, and my leanness rising up in me, beareth witness to my face. And we pray the Lord lad his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time together tonight and for this privilege come around you a word lord we just prayed you would speak to our hearts once again as we continue uh, to look at uh, job's calamities as we continue uh, to look at job's comfortism as we continue uh, to look ultimately at job's christ we pray that you would just speak to our hearts tonight lord and help us recognize the importance of our words uh, when we are trying to be a help to somebody uh, and the importance of trusting in the lord uh, when somebody uh, is an eliphaz or a bildad or a zophar in our lives and Lord, help us to turn to you for help, rather than looking uh, to man for worldly counsel. So Lord, we just pray you speak to our hearts tonight. And whatever the need is here, we pray that needs would be met, burdens would be lifted. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing uh, we see Satan doing, uh, we, we said last time, Satan knew what well, buttons to push. And he uses Eliphaz to attack Job. Uh, in terms of, like I said, his relationship with the Lord, his, his testimony, his self-worth. Uh, you know, Eliphaz says you're just a bunch of hot air. Um, you know, you are not wise at all. You are, you know, you're just like pointless. You're just no no good whatsoever. And Job is already down. Job is already beaten. Job is already kind of literally hanging on by a tether and he's literally clinging by mm-hmm. his fingernails to that. Um, And you can see these friends are almost pushing him over the edge. Um, But not only did Satan know what buttons to push, in terms of devouring, and that word um, devour there literally means to destroy, it means to eat up, it means to absolutely consume. And what Satan's trying to do is is to consume Job, to, to, to devour him. And we see that his comfort, Job's comfort is devoured because he says to his friends, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye, or um, we've said quite a few times that you know Job's friends did quite good when they first came because they came and they stayed silent for seven days. That was the best thing they did. The minute they opened their mouths, they just heaped more and more and more um, fuel on the fire, as it were, for Job. And Job told them, "You are miserable comforters. You're supposed to help, and you have done nothing." Um, to help and maybe you've had a run in with somebody like that you know maybe somebody has has tried to help you and we always feel like we have to say something if somebody's going through a time of difficulty we feel like we have to speak um, and oftentimes we can say the wrong thing uh, and that doesn't help the situation um, you know we, when we're going through a time of trouble um, oftentimes somebody wants to tell us that they've been through something similar and that they um, went through the same thing and they you don't care what they've been through. Because at the time, you were going through what you were going through and you're like, I'm not interested. I don't care that that happened to you 10 years ago. I, and, you know, I don't really want your sympathy or your empathy at the moment. I'm just struggling here. But we feel like we, we have to say that because it's almost like we... we oh, well, we can connect with this person because, yeah, I've been through that and I've been... You're like, yeah, I don't care. I am absolutely struggling at the moment. And just because you've gone through that and you've come through the other side and you've, so what? You know, it's almost like, from your point of view, you don't see it as empathy, you see it as bragging. Um, you know, this is just making things worse for Job. Um, Satan has really used Eliphaz to not just push his buttons, but to take away his comfort. And the word miserable there, when he said you are uh, miserable comforters, are ye all? The word miserable there is from a, a, a Hebrew word, which means trouble, misery, grievous, painful, or wearisome. What Job is saying to his friends is like, boys, well, you are just making me weary. You are just adding more trouble to my soul. You are literally just heaping pain upon pain you brought nothing but misery and grief you've not comforted me you've not helped me you've not come and you know rolled your sleeves up and said right what can we do to help they've just come and said well Job, you've done this wrong and you've done that wrong and you know this is why this is happening to you and you don't know nothing and well that's not helping you know the last thing we really want to hear when we've done something even when we've done something wrong the last thing we want to hear is i told you so even if they did tell us so, it doesn't help. Um, but Eliphaz is almost saying, I told you so, but you haven't told him. Did, do you understand what I'm saying? He's, Eliphaz is using that kind of like, well, you see, the thing is, and he hasn't got a clue what he's talking about. He has absolutely missed the point of, of what Job is going through. And they are harsh words. And it's not just their words. Um, we will talk about this. Um, now, in a little bit, but it's, it's also their gestures. Because um, he, he goes on to say, I could speak like you speak. And I could stand there and, uh, and kind of shake my head. So it's not just the words that they're speaking. Because you could say, oh, yeah, well, the thing is, um, you know, maybe Job is taking their words out of context. Job is saying, I'm not only listening to your words, I'm watching your facial expressions. I'm watching your body language. Uh, it's not just the words you're you, you, you're talking you are looking at me with absolute contempt Uh, and sometimes you know we may have been on on the end of that type of comforter somebody who's tried to be a help to us and it would have just been better we'd have been better off if they'd never come to us in the first place I would have helped far more um these words that Eliphaz spoke has done nothing to encourage Job has done nothing to strengthen Job, it's done nothing to help Job. It's actually just made his situation worse. And he says, You are miserable, troublesome, um, grievous, painful, wearisome counsellors. But Satan is actually using um, these so-called comforters to devour Job. Satan is a roaring lion walketh about the earth seeking whom he may devour. That is his purpose. That is his goal. That's what he does. Um, he's a devourer. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's, you know, he's, he's a, a mimicer. He's a, a murderer. He's, a, he's the father <laughs> of lies. Um, and that's what he's doing. He's devouring Job's comfort. And he's removing any comfort that Job may have received. Can you imagine if the, if the three friends had come along and said, right come on, Job, we, we, we're going to get through this. Maybe Job could have uh, come to a a, a realisation or an acceptance a lot sooner than he did before he even had to hear from God himself from heaven if his friends had acted in the right way, if, if they had the right motive, if they had the right um, response to Job. And instead of lifting his spirits, Satan uses the, them to absolutely devour his comfort. You know, Job's we mentioned Job's wife earlier. You know, Job's uh, wife is, is, is mentioned briefly at the beginning of the, the chapter where she told Job to, to curse God and die. And we, we don't read of her um, again. Then he does say in, in, in uh, chapter 19 and verse 17, he says, my breath is strange to my wife, though I entreat for the children's sake of mine own body. Um, some say that his breath was um, uh, uh, this way to his wife because of his um, illness um, and that his, his wife didn't want to be anywhere near him because of what he was going through. Others say that um, you know, that she didn't even want to speak to him uh, at, at this moment, that they hadn't spoken, his breath was strange to her. Um, we know that her counsel right at the beginning was, so why don't you just curse God and die? Um, And we've often been critical of Job's wife because of that. Um, But then we understand that we always look at things from Job's point of view. But she'd lost her children. She'd lost her possessions. Because they weren't just Job's possessions. They were her possessions. But she's also lost her husband. He's not the man um, that she'd married. He's not the man that he was the day before all of this hit. Because... Suddenly he's just a, a shadow of his, his former self, and you know sometimes um I, I guess job's wife maybe out of frustration, anger, anger at God, anger at job because he he kind of was accepting initially what had, what had happened because he said, "Well, I didn't bring anything into the world, and I can't take anything out so God gave he take, he took away, blessed be the name of the Lord so Maybe she was frustrated with the Lord, maybe she was frustrated with him, maybe she turned her back on the Lord and maybe she wanted him to do the same. And sometimes, you know, we go through difficulties in our life and we feel like it's just one thing after the other and we're just about to kind of get through this this pain, we're just about to get through this storm, we're just about to get to the end of the valley, we're just about to start climbing that mountain, we're just about to get our head above the water, and then the valley gets longer, or the the storm um, gets stronger, or the waves crash into our boat, and it just seems like one after the other after the other, that our comfort is being devoured. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we kind of get to that place in our walk with the Lord where we think, right, I just I just want to breathe it for five now. No problems, you know, no no family issues, no stress, no, uh, you know, no issues in church. I want the message to be, um, you know, nice and fluffy now so that it'll, like, it'll make me feel good instead of, like, beating me up. And sometimes our comfort is devoured um, and we feel, like, absolutely deflated, you know, and... What we need to realise is, is that our comfort is never going to come from people. Job's comfort didn't come from his friends. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ said in the upper room, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said and do." I'm thankful that even though Satan tries to devour our comfort, we have a comforter who's perfect <laughs> And the Lord promised us, you know, that comforter, that guide, that teacher, that uh, the fact that he would never leave us and never forsake us. So even though Job's friends are there, they're there in person, but they've forsaken him in the way in which they've used their words, in the way in which they've been judgmental towards him. So they're there in person, but they're not really there. Um, But the thing is, even though... Friends come and go, even though, um, even family can, uh, can kind of let us down on occasion. And even though, you know, Christian family are not always perfect. Um, the one person we can trust for comfort is the Lord. Uh, he's promised to, to give us that comfort. Um, and we also recognize, you know, when the Lord Jesus Christ said, The poor on the road to Damascus saw Saul white, persecutest thou the church. He didn't say that. He said, "Saul, why persecutest thou me?" So when Paul was going after the church, he was actually hurting the Lord. So we understand that when when we hurt, the Lord hurts. You know, there's nothing worse than than feeling so helpless. You know, with with your kids. Um, she's gonna kill me for saying this now, but it just fits. Hannah's got a an absolute irrational fear of the dentist. I mean, not like, oh, I don't like the drill sound. I mean, petrified. When she was here, we used to have to drag her to the dentist and literally hold her down in the in the chair. Um, well, she's got to go to the dentist today. Um, and at 26 years of age, she's phoning mum and dad and like, I, I don't want to go, I can't. And she's been worried about this for, she made the appointment last week. And every single day she is like at her wits end. And you can't do anything. Like, what can I do from 4,000 miles away other than like send her sounds of the dentist drill and <laughs> send, <her, laughs> send her pictures of teeth. <laughs> But you, you can't even make light of it, you know. But you, as a parent, you feel absolutely helpless because, you know, cause she, even though she's 26, she's still my baby. But there's nothing I can do. So if, if we feel like that towards our kids, you know, when we hurt when they hurt, we get upset mm-hmm. when they are upset, the Lord said to Paul, 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 or Saul, Saul, why us thou me? When my children hurt, then it affects me. Um, I hurt too. Um, So it's incredible to know that the one who understands pain, the one who understands suffering, the one who understands exactly where we are, is also the one who can provide the comfort we need. Because I don't know what to say to Hannah. I'm not scared of the dentist. It, it, it really doesn't bother me. The injections, the drilling, the thing. It doesn't bother me. Um, but I don't know what to say to her. Because I, I can't help. And nothing I say helps. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, when we try to speak to somebody who's going through a time of difficulty, nothing we say is going to help. But here's the thing, we don't have to say anything. Paul said in Romans, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Sometimes all we need to do is come alongside somebody and go, I haven't got the words, let's cry. Well, what else can you do? But the Lord knows. The Lord knows exactly what we're going through and he is our comforter. Um, I like what, where is it with Warren Weasby? He said, sometimes And he said, he was getting to this point. If you've ever been on the receiving end of hostility from those who should be offering support, then Warren Weasby says this, sometimes we have to experience misunderstanding from unsympathetic friends in order to learn how to minister to others. Even negative role models properly viewed may be beneficial. So we're able to say then, right, the way that person spoke to me is exactly how I'm not going to speak to somebody else. The advice that that person gave to me, that's exactly what I'm not going to do the next time you know, I, I, I try and help somebody in a similar situation. Um, so Job's comfort is being devoured um, by Eliphaz, but we understand that, that Eliphaz is, is literally here a puppet in, in Satan's hands to, to do uh, the devouring. And, uh, you know, Job is, is kind of is giving as good as he gets. Um, so remember Eliphaz said last week, uh, we, no, it was last week or the, the week before, where um, he, he basically um, said that Job was full of hot air. Um, mm-hmm. I can't find it. Now. 13 is ah, 13, edition. is there? I'm not in No, it's, it's, it's in... It's, oh, I don't know. Sorry. 15-2. Um, I knew it was there somewhere. I can't see it. Um, Should a wise man at the vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind. Um, so there, um, Eliphaz is, is kind of accusing Job of being full of, of hot air. Um, well, Job responds in kind, because Job says, then shall vain words have an end? Or what emboldeneth thee... That thou answerest. So Job literally uses the same um, scathing criticism that Eliphaz made of Job. Job turns it around and says to him that vain words there literally means empty. Vanity uh, is emptiness. It can also be translated as words of wind. Shall vain words or shall words of wind have an end? Or what emboldeneth thee that thou should uh, answerest? Job is basically saying to Eliphaz, well, you were full of air anyway. And what have I done to you to elicit such a response? And it's interesting what he says then in verse 4. He said, I also could speak as ye do. If your soul were in my soul's stead, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. Job says, if the roles were reversed, I'd be easy to be in your position. I'd be a piece of cake. I could quite happily stand where you are and say exactly the same thing to you that you are saying to me. Um, I could kind of, you know, get all my, my linguistic experience and I could get all the, um, you know, the big heavy words and, and I could say exactly the same thing to you and make you feel just as bad about yourself. Um, I could speak as you do if you saw what in my soul said. I could heap up words against you. That uh, verb there, heap, um, is, is quite a, a strong word. Uh, the Hebrew term is first used in Genesis 14, 13 of the five kings from S- Sodom area who formed a military coalition against um, the regional overlords. And it was the first war recorded in the Bible. What Job is saying is, is look, I'm under, I'm under effectively a rhetorical attack by men who can draw on a vast armory of words, um, I'm not. I'm not a wordsmith. Um, I, 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 I'm quite open with the fact that I, you know, I'm not great when it comes to to reading or to to big words. Dad will will say stuff, and I'm like, what does that mean? And then he'll tell me what it means. I'm like, why do Why you you say that? Well, why? Why have you got to teach me all the time? Why don't you just, like, just be dad and not use these big long words, these fancy words you walk into thesaurus? Um, and what Job is saying is that I could do that. I could use all, all the big words against you, all the fancy words to make you feel little. And that's what he's saying there about heaping up. It's, a, it's almost like a, a military term. Um, but not only in the, in, in the Middle East were words important. But actions were just as important. The way in which the words were expressed, the body language is so important. And we see that today, don't we? Uh, You know, we're always told that if you're talking to somebody and they fold their arms, they're angry. That's one-on-one body language. So, I'm going to go around the room. John Thomas is angry. Diane is angry. Dad is angry. Christine Matthews is angry. Sarah's cold. Do you know, we... We came in early. It was boiling. It was so hot, you know. We literally had to the skylights because it was boiling. So if he'd been on time, you would have been warm. <laughs> <laughs> but but it isn't it like sometimes you can you can talk to somebody and just with their body language, you're like, mm. like now you're angry now. No, you work all now You're just angry. And <laughs> um, but Job is saying, I I I can see it right. I, I can see what you're doing with your, your big words and the shaking of the head. Uh, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, which is a, is, is, a, is a Bible comedy, says that this action was done in mockery. It means nodding rather than shaking. Nodding is not with us as in the East. It is a gesture of scorn. Um, a glance at other um, passages of scripture and, and we can see how this is similarly used, especially In um, Messianic Psalms. Psalm 22. And all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head. Saying he trusted on the Lord. That he would deliver him. Let him deliver him. Seeing he delighted in him. Psalm 109. uh, 24-25. My knees are weak through fasting. And my flesh faileth of fatness. I became also a reproach unto them. When they looked upon me. They shaked their heads. And that is showing man's sneering contempt for the Messiah. Um, And it's interesting that we see a similar thing here uh, with Job. Job is saying, look, you're not only using this armament of words, but the shaking of the head is kind of showing the contempt that you have for me. You know, when people mock the Lord Jesus Christ from the foot of the cross, it wasn't just the mockery of their words. But they showed absolute contempt in the in the practice of uh, the shaking of the heads. Um, it's incredible. Uh, some even say that I- I- in this instance, Job is actually a picture of the type of suffering uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ would endure in this way. Uh, one commentator said, "Job never knew that he was privileged to pave the way for the truly innocent victim." But believers. In the Lord Jesus Christ, informed by the completed word, can take heart from the fact that their unjust sufferings in this world. However trivial, unite them in a special fellowship with their master. Peter says this, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Um, it's easy to blame and condemn, says Job. Um, but if I were in your shoes, I'd have done things slightly differently. He says in verse 5, but I would strengthen you with my mouth and the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. Um, and again, commentators differ on whether Job is speaking ironically or you know, if he's being sarcastic. um, And and I don't think he is. um, Based on the type of person that Job is, I think he's generally saying, look, I could could speak like you do. I could make matters worse for you. If I was in your shoes, I could heap up these words. I could call on a vast armory uh, 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 of clever words and uh, what have you to make matters worse. But that's not what I would want to do. I'd want to help you. I'd want to strengthen you with the words that I speak. I'd want to build you up instead of tear you down, so that your grief um, could uh, be assuaged. Proverbs uh, twenty-seven nine says, "Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart; so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel." You know, it's incredible um, that um, the same type of words. Um, were used by the Pharisees against the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, It says that there's a gulf, and the Bible um, discloses the gulf between fair words and a foul heart. And that was exactly what the Pharisees were like. And the Lord said, This people draw near me with their mouth and their lips to honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. You know, Eliphaz may have said all the right things, but his actions was, was revealed in his heart. He wasn't saying it to be a help to Job. He wasn't saying it to encourage Job. He was saying it to, to make Job, in effect, look small so he himself could look tall. He was doing it to make Job out to be immoral whilst at the same time making himself um, some kind of super uh, righteous um, and it's incredible uh, that Job said, if I was in your shoes, I would do everything I could to help you and to strengthen you. Um, Isaiah 35 says, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that out of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. What is it that revitalizes the saint when he's flagging? What is it that revitalizes the saint when he feels like he can't go on? You know, weak hands, feeble knees, a fearful heart, picture failure in the believer's work, in the believer's uh, walk, uh, and it springs from unbelief. Um, But this passage says there is a cure. Say to them, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come. You know, if we really want the comfort that we seek, we're not going to find it in this world. You know, sometimes when we're struggling, we we kind of want the answers quick uh, and we want a quick fix. And we we kind of want to get through this pain and we want to, you know, get through this time of difficulty and we want to get. But our hope is not in the trial being over. Our hope is in the one that keeps us in the trial. Uh, And I don't mean keeps us stay in the trial, but I mean keeps us. Whilst we're in the trial, um, you know, we are edified by the fact that the Lord is affected when we go through this. Um, that it's not, he's not some distant God that is kind of, um, you know, we, that he's put us all like as ants in a jar and shaking us up to, to see, you know, in some cruel experiment to see what will happen as we devour one another. That's not what he's done. He's not, we we don't serve a God who who is not touched by the feeling of our infirmities and our pain and our heartache and our distress and our difficulties because he cares for us so much. He knows exactly, you know, the difficulties that we are facing. But the comfort is the fact that we keep our eyes on him, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, keeping our eyes fixed firmly upon him. Um, I can't remember where, where I read it, if, I, uh, if it was in today's message or if it was in... Oh, it is in today's message, but I haven't come to it yet, but I'm going to read it anyway because I thought, oh, that's incredible. You know, we keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord because he's our comfort. Um, a teacher uh, read to her class the text, my yoke is easy. And she said, who can tell me what a yoke is? A boy said, a yoke is something they put on the necks of animals. Then the teacher asked, what is the yoke God puts on us? And a little girl said, it is God putting his arms around our neck. Um, that's the comfort that we find. You know, our comfort is not going to be in people. Our comfort is not even going to be in our trial being over. Um, our comfort is actually going to be in the, in the one who keeps us, even when we go through that difficulty. Um, Job hits the nail on the head when he says, you are miserable comforters. You are troublesome. You are weedy-some. You would just add in more pain to the hurt that I'm already battling with. And if I was in your position, I wouldn't heap these words up upon you. I would do everything I could to strengthen you with my mouth. But our help is not in friends whose words can be as empty as the wind sometimes. Our hope is in the Lord. Our strength is in the Lord. Our help is in the Lord. Our comfort is in the Lord. And he is the only one that will get us through these difficulties. Uh, Even when we feel like, I've just got through that one battle, now I'm facing another one. And I'm facing another one. And I'm facing another one. And the Lord will continue to help and comfort until he calls us home to glory. And that's why Paul said to take this, look in and to... uh, um, Looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of our great God and saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's why there's a crown for those who, who love the, the coming of the Lord, who look for the coming of the Lord. Um, you know, There's a special crown for those who love his appearing. Because what he means is, is you, we are not fixated on our problems and our difficulties. We're just waiting for the Lord to return. And then once and for all, he'll put everything right. And we'll never need to worry about the difficulties of these trials ever again um, because we have been his perfect presence for all eternity. Father, we thank you again for this night and for this time together. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us as we recognize uh, that the devil as a roaring lion is walking about this earth, seeking whom he may devour. And Father, we realize that there are times uh, where he devours our comfort. Uh, Father, there are times when we go through difficulties that, we, we, we really don't see an end to them and we, we can't see a way through or a way out. But Lord, we can't see the wood for the tree sometimes because we look at our difficulties and feel like there's never going to be an end to this and there's never any help or any hope. Or, but when we look to you and we turn our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, then we recognise the fact that the God we serve is far greater than any problems we will ever face in our lives. So Lord, we look to you for comfort because we know that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No matter what comes our way, we recognize the fact that we serve a God who is the perfect comfort that we need. So Lord, would you help us in our time of need, our time of difficulty, our time of distress? Would you help us, Lord, to to not be an Eliphaz, a Zophar or a Bildad in anybody else's life? Uh, That Lord, if we If we don't have the words that come from you, that we would just be a a, a person whose presence makes the difference when somebody's going through a difficulty rather than opening up our mouths and making the difficulty worse. So Lord, we pray you'd help us when we're in a time of distress and you you would help us when we're trying to be an encouragement to somebody who's going through a difficulty and we'd be mindful as always to give you the glory for it. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, thank you for joining us online. Um, it's been uh, a blessing to have you with us for our Bible study. If you don't have anywhere to be on Sunday um, and you can't make it to the church, then join us online at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning and 6 o'clock on Sunday evening. And uh, if you can just pray for our ministries that have started back this week, if you can pray for BLAST, which starts again on Friday for our youth group, uh, I know that the, uh, the workers there for Campus Club and Blast would much appreciate your praise and then uh, we look forward to seeing you online on Sunday.